Welcome, everybody, to a Couch Divided podcast. My name is Nick, alongside with me, as always, the wonderful Dr. Robin Hall. How are you doing? I'm excellent, sir. How are you? Good. I just posted a teaser uh, for this episode. How dare you? All right. Um, it's actually quite, I, f- I mean, I found it very amusing, the picture. Mostly because I, I really. Didn't see it. Why didn't I see it? Well, I yeah. literally just oh, posted okay. it. Right. Yeah. It's a picture of a, of a person falling down a staircase, mm-hmm. which that's the part I relate to. Yeah. <laughs> and it says, uh, I think it's like me falling for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stumbling over me. Oh, man. I'm, I'm a klutz and a clumsy. Those are two qualities of mine. I posted that meme because our topic today is on the psychology of falling in love. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a heavy topic. Yeah. That word heavy again? I didn't feel heavy researching this topic. Mm? I did. Did you feel heavy? Well, you know yeah. what? That is really an interesting like observation though to make because there like that is actually something that separates us fundamentally at the moment. Mm-hmm. I am in love with someone. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a yearn. Uh, For there. sure. Um, I, but I also... I tend to use these elements because there are there are heavy elements that are emphasized a lot in the Bible. And so I tend to chronicle my whole life on what uh, what I've learned, what I you mean as heavy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I tend to, chron- like I said, chronicle my whole life and how I've tried to either search for love or how, what I thought love was compared to what I think. You're now. such a poet, Nick. Yeah. So like, you know, you know, I, I've thought about past relationships, the consequences of sex, all of that stuff. You know what I mean? Playing in you know, a role when I was playing around with love like a child, you know. Oh, I see. Yeah. And uh, now that I'm a man, um, you know, I've said this before in recent blogs that I know what that what that is now and uh, a biblical presentation of what uh, solid love is, even though I fall short to the standards of God. I think I got a good grasp on it. I think, you know, Christ certainly should be informing a completely like restructured understanding of love. Right. Sure. I mean. Pre, I mean, pre-salvation and post-salvation, that should change a lot. And, and that's everything, too, as well. I mean, we talk about psychology. I mean, how much things that we, you know, would have avoided in life Ugh. that gives us trauma now Ugh. if we simply had the wisdom. Ugh. That's you know. the noise. Right. Now, we don't, and by the grace of God, we are who we are. We go forward. And that is a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. too, as well. Right. Well, and, I, like, I make those noises because, obviously, there is a really heavy weight to... Mm-hmm. sin and the consequences of sin mm-hmm. and being saved doesn't automatically er- we've talked about this a lot before it does not automatically erase no. the consequences of sin but once saved we actually are called in obedience to believe that Christ's atonement is total and complete yeah I'm- and so like reveling in the glory of the Lord that is um illustrated illuminated mm-hmm. when like the the like depraved nature of our sin our past sin is juxtaposed to him right, right. that should be our like you our know, focus our traumas anxieties depression fill in the blank whatever you want it to be you know a lot of the healing is actually the reiteration of virtue as you're going through the pain of mm-hmm. those past things so 
you know, I have scars and traumas from, let's just say, drug addiction. It I didn't just go away. But one thing that heals me uh, but doesn't separate me from my memories is the reiteration of truth and virtue as it is stand- as it is objectively defined by the word of God. Yes. That he does love me, and that's where I find my peace. I don't know why, but I just feel like everything you said, you just said was kind of like a rap, like you could rap it. Oh, like as lyrics. Oh, does he rap? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. For some reason, he just did a rap. I don't know. Oh, that's right. I didn't. I see haven't it. listened I haven't to it. Seen I'm, it. I'm not really. Interested. I'm not really ready to cringe that hard yet. Yeah. Uh, nothing against Ben Shapiro, <laughs> but <laughs> whatever. Maybe everything against him, depending on the rap. Yeah, song. I know. But so there's been some very funny comments about it. Yeah, but like I, I always find healing through reiteration, and then sometimes it's healing totally. Like maybe being void of that angst completely it's just not there anymore sure you know uh what i've experienced is that that's far and few between and my memories play a role in my healing and and unfortunately that is through suffering that uh yeah that i need to um, the suffering isn't discreet right yeah it's that it's not localized just to the event itself it's there it causes me to cling on to truth and uh unfortunately those some of those things well and fortunately at the same time some of those things are going to be left there on purpose you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and uh, to rise to the uh, occasion in truth during times of suffering yeah. is, well, what I try to help people understand in counseling. If we can um, take away that pain totally, let's achieve it. But if we have to deal with it, how do you do it? Well, yeah, I mean, you always, you really yeah. always have to deal with sure. it. Sure, and that's, yeah. the, you know, 99.9% of the that's time. One of the right? th- yeah, I was like, sh- there's one of the things I say frequently is short of um, destroying the memory cortices in mm-hmm. your brain we're kind of stuck here. Right. I mean, and we don't actually want to do that. You know, I, I wish that God would give me amnesia and I wouldn't have to deal with the past, but then also I wouldn't have good memories and I wouldn't yeah. know who anybody is. Well, but like it's that's it's out of that suffering that our conformity to Christ's mm-hmm. image actually is born. Right. So uh, we, we talk about burning with passion too, as well. It'd be great if just God just took my desire away. I was never tempted my whole life, but oh. then I wouldn't have anything to give to a wife. So I have to learn to control it. It's through suffering and virtue and truth that uh, I'm able to be celibate. And discipline. And dis- discipline. Yeah. From the Lord right. as he guides me with grace and mercy. Yeah. Yes. So um, before we hop on into our pot of love <laughs> business, housekeeping. Which I don't love. I know. I know yeah. you don't. Find us on social media at A yes. Couch Divided Pod, both names on Facebook and Instagram. That's where you can find us. Yes. And then also you can email us at acouchdividedpodcast at gmail.com. We get a bunch of your comments. We've gotten some recently I know. too as well you that would have been so so cool yeah so encouraging to show i mean even our episode on um did our, and oh yeah uh, has uh, spoken to people too as well and um and then our patreon show uh patreon.com slash the couch divided people have commented and and even our little freestyle show I know, on, the couch on the couch that you subscribe to if you go to couch divided uh, uh to patreon.com slash the couch divided yeah, yeah, you get exclusive stuff. access to our Patreon only show yeah. on the couch. And uh, if you go there, I'm saying oh, a lot. I hate this. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you <laughs> commented on those two as well. So. Now I'm only going to be able to hear the. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to be here. That. I'm just going to be saying. Oh, it's fine. That. We're, you know, it's fine. Um, neither one of us went to school for like performance broadcasting, no. if that's even a thing. Or how to handle your caffeine. All right, did you take a lot of caffeine today? I just drank a coffee and I'm up. Oh. Ah, I'm all over the place. That's great. I am not. It was a good coffee, though. I did drink some coffee with protein, but I, I'm not up like that. Coffee with protein? I need, yeah. I After we're done that. with this, I have to work out, so. 
<laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So please subscribe, like, share, tell a friend, tell your parents, tell your bro- brother, cousin, mm-hmm. your next uncle. Neighbor. Yeah, tell everybody. Our heart in this is to take help God take dominion over this area. Love your enemies by showing them a couch divided. A couch divided. <laughs> yes. Um, another cool thing about being a patron. Um, if you, especially if you're part of the second tier, you will also get early access to all of these episodes. So, um, like as soon as this one's done being edited, you'll be able to hear it. You'll be hearing it. We're just going to throw it up so that you can hear it. And that's super cool. Mm -hmm. And we, I think we have like well over eight hours already of content available. Mm -hmm. And then this will be another hour and a half. I heard the cool kids do the early access. The cool kids. You want to be the cool kid. Be like the cool kids. But... Couch Divided was always be free. Yes, and so it's always going to be available. Bi weekly episodes for you always. Yes, yes, right. In our new season format. Love it. Love it too. Okay, so um, this hopefully like coincides with Valentine's Day. Yes. It, that was kind of a plan. I'm going to try to drop her. Right really, that like these, this episode and the, the next one in the season is. Um, we're inspired by um, a friend who was was going through a pretty awful breakup. Um, and it really, it came to me like, Oh, we should do a couple of episodes, one on psychology of falling in love and one on the psychology of breaking up. So that's now, what's coming next. Freud would go, is this friend you shows him how much but he knows. Freud would say <laughs> your mom, your mom yeah. and your mom. Okay. Yeah. So we're just going to jump right in. I thought it would be kind of fun to learn the history of the phrase falling in love. And so that's where I started my research on this topic. And mm-hmm. it really was fun. I'm, I thought it was very, very interesting. I'm excited to share it with mm-hmm. you. Do you know any, any of the history off the top of your head? Any history of falling the, in love? The phrase falling, quote, no, falling no. in love. No, no, and I'm very interested <laughs> to see what you got. So, you ready? Mm-hmm. We're going to school. We're going to learn some stuff. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> learning learning (laughs) where does the phrase falling in love come from so fall is an ancient verb i love people throw that ancient term i I have an ancient category that i'm disgusted with what what happens when you feel ancient especially if you have fallen many times in your life um so fall is an ancient quote verb that has been used figuratively for many centuries, often with the sense of, quote, sinking into some condition or state, mm. which as soon as I read through that, I like I immediately connected it to the phrase falling pregnant, which mm. I don't know. I don't know if you've heard that. It, I hadn't heard that until like later in my life and it always like hit my ear wrong like what mm-hmm. does that mean wait you know, i've used terms like falling into despair yeah yeah like right that. so yeah, we'll, we'll actually yeah. get to like how we'll get to that progression um mm-hmm. but it like it made sense to think of it like the definition of fall that way like sinking into a condition or state mm-hmm. the sense of and you like you are suddenly aware that you're pregnant once you find out you're pregnant mm-hmm. so Anyway, so the original and literal meaning of the verb fall, um, which has been recorded since circa 1800, mm-hmm. is a to, quote, descend freely or drop from a high or relatively high position. So that's the literal yep. meaning. Okay. Um, one of the Oxford English Dictionary's earliest examples is from Christ three or Christ three. I'm, I have no idea how it would have been pronounced because it's from the old English. Um, but this is the third part of an anonymous and probably only anonymous because 
they didn't sign their name to it. Um, and it's been lost to history, but mm. an anonymous old English poem about the second coming. Mm. So the reference here is to the last judgment. And I'm going to attempt to say this. Please forgive me. Anyone who is familiar with old English or speaks it or can read it because you'll be offended. Seolone Rothe Phelan on Grimne Grund. Watch your mouth. Yeah, right. Okay, which means they shall fall rapidly into the grim abyss. Hmm. Well, grim. Grim abyss. That I, f- I figured that Grim Grimne mm-hmm. or Grimne mm-hmm. was that. Um, so in the 1100s, to fall could mean to sin mm-hmm. or yield to temptation. And phrases like falling into sin, falling into error, error falling into idolatry, or fall among thieves yeah, began gr- to be used. That grim abyss is hell, right? I'm assuming that that yeah, is. Yeah, just a dark. I'm assuming life, that that yeah. was yeah. since it was in reference to the final judgment sure. yeah. or the last, yeah, the last judgment and the poem itself was about the second coming. Mm-hmm. So in the 12 and 1300s, writers began using fall to describe the destruction of walls, mm-hmm. buildings, cities, as in Faye Babylon, meaning Babylon has fallen, mm-hmm. which, and I, I was, I was always, I always associate it with that, uh, that song, um. Oh my gosh! Now my brain is dead. the The city of Jericho, like mm-hmm. falling, falling or felling in the walls oh, around okay. Jericho. Yeah. Um. So in the 1600s, we see the emergence of the phrase "fall to pieces," hmm. which came to mean, you know, literally like breaking into fragments or disintegrating. Um. But within a couple of centuries, it was used more figure like figuratively to talk about the fall of governments mm. um, or empires, right? So I guess still there would be kind of a literal breaking apart of an empire sure, if yeah. you're applying it to that. But um, like it isn't like the empire is in front of you and it just is, it disintegrates in front of your eyes. So um, since the 1300s to, quote, fall on, end quote, an enemy has meant to attack them. Mm -hmm. There's so many meanings. Mm -hmm. It just keeps going. Yeah, the sword will fall on you. Um, Fear, death, disease, vengeance, and misfortune have been, quote, falling on people since the Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. Disappointment or sadness makes a person's face, quote, fall. A usage traceable to the 1300s. Which is so, and it's, isn't that like the realest thing ever? Like you watch somebody's face fall mm-hmm. from joy to yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. I've terror, seen it. despair. I've seen it in my own face. Right. I felt it. I felt it happen <laughs> to me. Uh. <clears throat> in the 1600s, uh, English speakers adopted the notion that a duty, a burden, an expense, a responsibility or a loss, and then less frequently, but also a gain. Mm-hmm. Um, could, f- quote, fall on or, quote, fall to a person. Mm. Since around 1000, this is all AD, mm. AD, meteorological events like rain, hail, lightning, and thunder have said to, quote, fall from the heavens. Mm-hmm. And shortly after, people began to speak of things like evening, night, seasons, and shadows as mm. falling. 
Isn't it crazy how like unbelievably diverse, like how many meanings mm-hmm. are associated with this? <clears throat> it shows that their intellect too as well, that they thought a lot about these things. Well, um, I mean, and it's a progression, right? Like it's an evolution across time. And, and it really mm-hmm. hasn't changed. I've heard that, you know, the moonlight's fallen on you and all that stuff. Well, we've and heard all of this yeah. because we are. It's usually talked about in romantic faces. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to move to that. So yeah. sometimes to quote fall means to lessen or subside as with the volume of music that's from the 1500s, the price of something, which is also from the 1500s, or the temperature, which came around in the 1800s, temperature falling. Um, Some figurative uses of fall have to do with senses. So sounds fall upon the ear, sights fall upon the eyes, and that that we see that emerge in the 1800s as well. Um, And when people speak, we say that words fall from their lips or their tongues, and that's from the 1700s. So all kinds of figurative uses uh, have been or have to do with passing uh, perhaps suddenly or accidentally into a certain state or condition. Hmm. So this is how we got, quote, fall to sleep, end quote, Mm -hmm. from the 1200s and fall asleep Hmm. from the 1300s, fall sick from the 1400s, fall into favor, fall in love and fall into trouble, which actually meant to become pregnant Mm. all in the 1500s. Mm. So it's the 1500s that we see that this specific phrase Mm -hmm. emerge falling in love, Um, fall lame, fall ill and fall back, falling back, meaning to retreat all from the 1600s, fall vacant, fall silent and fall flat, meaning to prove uninteresting or ineffective Mm. that emerged in the 1800s. All of those did. Um, to fall out, also to fall out with, has meant to quarrel or disagree with someone since the 1500s. Yeah, and I, we hear that too as well. We had a falling out. Yeah, we had a falling know. out. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and about a, and a century or so later, people began using fall in with to mean agree, concur, or mm-hmm. to share the same views of. To fall short has meant to fail in some objective sense since the 1500s. More recently, to fall for has meant to be taken in or carried away by, right? Like you fell for that, Mm -hmm. you fell for that Ponzi, Mm -hmm. that pyramidal Ponzi. Uh, They're so gullible, they fall for anything. Right. Um, The use of, quote, fall apart to mean break up or collapse was first recorded in the mid-1700s and... um, a still newer meaning to have like a nervous breakdown, right? Or to have a breakdown in your sanity um, is mo- emerged more or less from the 1930s. Mm. So it's just, it's still evolving. And that is much more related to the next episode that we are going to record for all of you guys, which is about the psychology of breaking up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's it. We get falling in love as an evolutionary byproduct, right, across language, English language, in the 1500s. And since then, English speakers have been using it. Mm. Interesting. Well, that's it. Hey, guys, uh, we'll see you later. I'm just <laughs> I have like nine more pages yeah, of notes. Yeah, I was like, they're falling out of confidence if we were descended at that point. <laughs> yeah. um, and like, I, you know, I, I joke, but m- the most uh, experience I have is with literal falling mm-hmm. on my butt face clumsy oh my gosh are you a klutz Uh, yes (laughs) i confess yeah um i i just like don't even need anything to trip like i'm a person that puts his foot you know in his mouth oh yeah that's more yeah more figurative but i mean like i literally fall 
It's a more male thing too as well. Is oh no. Well, I think that's a people thing, I think. Putting well, I'm glad you I'm glad you're saying that. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my experience. Uh, it's been more <laughs> it's male in your experience. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're saying that though. So am I the okay, I, I don't know if I've ever asked you this. Do you laugh hysterically when you watch videos of people falling yeah i do yeah I especially skateboarding videos oh. and it's it, it's i don't know what the proclivity is to want to watch those things <laughs> like want to watch people get hurt i think it's because if i watch somebody get hurt but it was devastating or even well, cost their lives i wouldn't laugh no no for sure but if i know that they got back up and they're okay with that video phone <laughs> i'm i'm gonna laugh because it chances are they're laughing along oh, man i don't know later. if i don't know if i like put that caveat in there and i know they're okay with the video Mm-hmm. of it being out there but yeah well if you look at like a tight rope walker whatever mm-hmm. and he's going to do a death to vying stunt you know from you know the canadian border to the u.s border you know white uh, like across a, yeah, across, a yeah. giant building yeah like two buildings and everybody's watching now first everybody's watching to want to see him do it however if there was no risk involved of him sure. falling no oh one would ever watch it i would throw up so we're really watching to see if he's gonna fall <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, and that's not a good thing because if he falls, no. it's not like he can climb back on the horse and try again, Bucko. You know right. what I mean? Like you're well, done. Especially the ones that do it with like no safety equipment yeah. and harnesses or anything. That's usually, you know, what's displayed. Or that's what know? we think about. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, we yeah we have a we want to watch the something wire walkers. Yeah. But when people are just slipping up and then somebody puts a sound effects like whoop. You know, and like a banana peel or something like that. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because obviously that person is thinking it's funny. We're laughing along with Oh, it, so. gosh. I yeah. just sometimes I laugh just a stupid hard at that. I like watching people get scared, you know. Uh, so the oh, yeah. you know, video montages of, you know, people getting, you know, scared because somebody's <laughs> jumping out of a corner sure. or something. It was right. hilarious. Like so, the jump scare stuff. Yeah. Have you ever seen, been to the website that like takes pictures of people walking through this i think this haunted house is somewhere in like wisconsin Mm. have you ever seen no oh my lanta (laughs) do yourselves a favor and google like uh haunted house funny pictures Mm -hmm. i can't i really don't remember what the name of the website is you're gonna find a lot of stuff oh (laughs) my gosh it's so fun some of the expressions on these people's faces are just and like you'll get like some like grown men are trying to like climb or mount the like Mm -hmm. tiny woman they're with to get away from whatever Mm -hmm. they're looking at Mm -hmm. it's really hilarious uh we digressed so um i'm gonna that well we started with giving you the the uh, history of the phrase falling in love. And I hope you guys found that as interesting as Now we're going to talk did. about oxytocin. I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> so now we're going to talk about um, like what is like the modern psychological understanding mm. of romantic love. And um, I, I actually meant to qualify this when we first started talking, but um, that's what we're talking about today. Like we're talking about romantic love. We're not I will go over some other kinds of love just to make it a distinction. Um, But yeah, our focus is on this concept or idea of falling in love. Mm -hmm. And so we do realize this is not an exhaustive discussion about love. Um, But we have to be focused, right? So, um, No, we don't. I guess we don't. But well, otherwise. Who's demanding that of us? My brain says maybe our audience would appreciate. We, yeah, it. <laughs> we need to be focused in order to have some structure. Um, Boo! 
So Hatfield and Rapsom mm-hmm. in 1987 defined romantic love as a state of intense longing for union with another, um, which I'm not sure if I like that as a definition, but that's how they defined it. It's Hatfield and Rapsom. And I, as soon as I read that name Hatfield, I was like, ooh, Hatfield and McCoys. Yeah. They know so much Oh, I, I thought of Hatfield and Raps, uh, Rapson. That's that the other Sounds author. like a law firm. You know? Yeah, for sure. Call Hatfield and Rapson. Well, we'll, ha- they'll like, talk about it a lot. It's just kind of uh, like the irony there is funny that whoever this Hatfield is, who I'm sure is unrelated to the original feuding families. <laughs> Have you fallen in love? You could receive compensation right. from Hatfield and Rapson. They're re- researching love mm-hmm. um, when their namesake, right, historically yeah. was uh, related to feuding. So <laughs> um, romantic love also... We're going to use the term commence, uh, consummate love kind of interchangeably mm. there. Um, it differs from other kinds of love, like companionate love mm. or maternal love. So I figured we'd all kind of know what maternal love is. So I didn't really mm. do a ton of defining of that one, but I thought it would be pretty important to define companionate love. And this actually comes from a theory in social psych. Uh, called the triangle theory of love mm. um, by, and it was developed by Robert Sternberg and we're going to go through it cause it's, it's pretty interesting, but companionate love um, is, it describes a love that exists between two people who share a deep commitment and affection for each other, but who lack sexual desire or passion for mm. one another, which companion companionate mm. love makes sense. Um, so like I said, it comes from plutonic, maybe. Yeah. That's another Mm -hmm. word that you'll Mm -hmm. see used. Um, it comes from this triangle theory of love, which man, doesn't that just sound like a radio show that comes on at like two o'clock in the morning? The triangle theory of love. The triangle theory of love. Yeah. With Dr. Ruth. Well, and you hear like love triangle (laughs) a lot, right? So that's not what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Not a love triangle. Like there are three parties involved. Mm. This is a specific theory in psych, and I think it comes originally was developed by Sternberg, who is a psychologist or was a psych. I'm actually not sure if he's still around um, in 1986, which is the year of my birth, Mm. the year of our Lord, 1986. (laughs) (laughs) So we we will actually make um, just a little like thumbnail of the graphic for this theory available. like in our show notes, I think on Patreon, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> um, it is a triangle. Okay. So you've got th- uh, three points like at the corners of the triangle. And then each side of the triangle has data, which I'm going to explain. And then in the very center, you have consummate love, which mm-hmm. would be the like pinnacle. That's what you're, that brings all of it together. That's the, yeah. that's the best according to Sternberg. So mm-hmm. consummate love um, involves intimacy mm-hmm. plus passion plus commitment and mm-hmm. we're going to define all those terms according to Sternberg here in just a second. So mm-hmm. at the very top of the triangle or pyramid, you have a liking, which mm-hmm. involves intimacy at the bottom right corner. You have empty love, which involves commitment mm-hmm. along that side is where companionate love falls. And that's intimacy plus commitment, mm-hmm. but not passion. Mm. No passion there. No romanticism. No, so like you and I would have probably, well, so he uses this term to describe like 
couples that have been married for 150 years Mm -hmm. and they're because of age, there might not be any sexual desire, but there is this like long commitment. I I get you. Right. So I was going to say you and I, but we have a platonic love for each other. Mm, Sure. Um, On the bottom left corner is infatuation and that just involves passion. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from liking to infatuation. So on that left side of the triangle is romantic love, Mm -hmm. which includes passion and intimacy, Mm -hmm. but not commitment. Mm -hmm. So he makes that distinction. Um, And then you also have uh, fatuous love, which is what runs along the base or the bottom between infatuation and empty love. And that's passion plus commitment, but no intimacy, Mm. which interesting. So this theory describes love based on three different scales, right? So three different elements, intimacy, intimacy, passion, and commitment. Um, And the argument here, and this is like research that's been done since the inception of the theory, um, supports that relationships based on a single element are much less likely to survive than those that are based on two or more. Hmm. which okay so the more elements the more likely it is to to be long lasting Hmm. which i think makes sense according to this theory so different stages and types of love can be explained as different combinations of those three elements which is what i just went over Hmm. describing the graphic so intimacy we define as deep connection and understanding Hmm. passion is physical and romantic attraction. So physical arousal, desire, excitement, and need for the other person. Mm -hmm. And then commitment, which is also uh, another term that he uses interchangeably for commitment is decision. Mm -hmm. So it is the decision to maintain love in the long term. Sort of an act of the will. Right. Based on um, cognitions or thoughts about the stability and permanence of a relationship. It also is based on cost benefit estimations around the relationship and predictions about the future Mm -hmm. as they relate to the... I'm glad he put that in there. Right. So according to the theory, liking... Um, and so liking in this theory is not used trivially. So Sternberg says um, that this intimate liking characterizes true friendships. So in which a person feels bondedness, warmth, and closeness with another, but not intense passion or long-term commitment. Mm. Um, so that's at the very top of our pyramid, remember. That's the top point of our triangle. Um, infatuated love, which is the bottom left corner is often what is felt as quote love at first sight which we're also going to talk about here Mm. pretty quickly but without any intimacy and the commitment components of love so infatuated love may disappear suddenly sure Um, empty love which is the other corner the right corner sometimes a stronger love deteriorates into empty love um, in which the commitment remains, but the intimacy and passion have died. So in cultures which arranged marriages are common, relationships of- often begin as empty love, mm. which is interesting. We're going to talk about arranged marriages mm. too. Romantic love. So this is this is the love that runs along the side of the triangle between liking and infatuation. Romantic lovers are bonded emotionally, as in liking, and physically through passionate arousal. Mm the commitment is lacking there compassionate love which is the right side of our triangle that runs from liking to empty love sorry companionate love excuse me is often found in marriages in which the passion has gone out of the relationship but a deep affection and commitment remain so companionate love is generally 
a personal relation you build with somebody you share your life with, with, but there's no sexual or physical desire, which, you know, using that example of like a couple that's been married for a very long time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's stronger than a friendship because of the extra element of commitment. Um, the love ideally shared between family members is a form of companionate love as is the love between deep friends or those who spend a lot of time together in any asexual, but friendly relationship. So I guess that would mm -hmm. qualify. Uh, I don't know. as a descriptor for us too. Yeah, I don't sure. know. Okay. So fatuous, which is a great word. Love can be exemplified by a whirlwind courtship and marriage in which a commitment is motivated largely by passion without the stabilizing influence of intimacy. So like strong physical attraction, but no real deep connection, right, shared right. connection. Um, and then consummate love, which is what's at the center of our triangle mm -hmm. is the complete form of love representing the ideal relationship toward which many people strive, but which apparently few achieve. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, well, sad. Yeah. I wonder how many divorces Sternberg had. Mm, yeah. uh, Sternberg cautions that maintaining a consummate love may be even harder than achieving it. Mm. He stresses the importance of translating the components of love into action without expression. He warns even the greatest of loves can die. Right. I mean, it, there there is not a, even a theory out here, but a general uh, understanding, um, is, especially from the, the secular world, that would say that monogamy is next to impossible. Well, that's an evolutionary base. Yes. Idea. And, and so when he says that, you know, few people achieve this consummate love, I can't help but thinking it's correlated with something. like Oh, that. totally. I didn't look into him, but I'm. I mean, it would be very right. it would be very unlikely that he would hold any other view. Right. They would say it's not practical to be monogamous right know. that yeah. we're not wired that way or yeah. men at least are not wired that way yeah. um let's see so the balance among sternberg's three aspects of love is likely to shift through the course of a relationship according to him a strong dose of all three components found in consummate love typifies for many of us an ideal relationship however time alone does not cause intimacy passion and commitment to occur and grow Knowing about these components of love may help couples avoid the pitfalls mm -hmm. in their relationship and work on areas that need improvement mm -hmm. or help them recognize when it may be time for the relationship to come to an end, mm. which is if you're married, dumb. Yeah, sure. You know, you, you, without any kind of structure or virtue or design or cause he's just merely pointing out certain elements right. in that design. Right, right, right. You know, remember Jesus says, whoever listens to my words, builds his house on a rock. Yes. You listen to other words, sinking sand, right? Right, right. Through. So with those elements, which I find true, um, you know. With, and they're good descriptors. Yeah, with the, the foundation of Christ's word, uh, that is building your house on a rock. Right. And so in those times of marriages where you actually have to, you know, use your will because there's some days that you're gonna, not going to like your partner, <laughs> you know, uh, your, 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 your spouse, they're, they're whatever. They made you mad in some kinds, uh, cases. Um, you know, that structure, whatever from Christ allows you to enter into that while still 
you know, uh, loving, you mm. know, lovingly. Uh, so without resentment, he would never think if, Oh, well now's the time to fall out of love. And it's not even, it's not even a concept in the Christian mind or shouldn't be. It should not know. be. No. Um, but there are studies that show that, you know, divorce is, is high, uh, within the evangelical state, oh, yes. which doesn't show anything. Well, and about I think a lot of it has to do with this idea, this like modern romanticized idea of what love actually is, which, you know, that's why we're making, that's the whole point of this podcast is, this episode I'm is to say like, this is what like secular society and psychology say about love, mm-hmm. but this is what God says about it. Mm-hmm. And so as a Christian, which one are you called to be obedient to? Right. So people with a true affection of Christ and loving him and loving his neighbor, you know, regenerated souls, truly regenerated right. souls. I would, I would say that their marriage is a hundred percent proof as far as a oh, long yeah. lasting, totally right. With both partners reciprocating. Uh, but like the nature the st- this isn't say the state of Christianity. This is just the state of modern day evangelicalism as we see divorce rates climb, mm-hmm. you know? And so what's that signify? Is there a problem with the religion or the problem with particular institutions mm-hmm. that claim that they have that religion? Well, it's the latter, of course. Um, and uh, it's a sad state. Well, we see this mostly in Western society, especially American evangelicals. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and like you're going to get, you're going to talk to us about like the history of sure, like yeah. love relationships. Yeah. That, uh, without, how it, for how lack it of a better way of saying yeah. it. Right. And then we're going to parallel. And how it's changed. Right? And we'll parallel it uh, with the biblical notion and then our cultural deviations over time too as well. And sometimes deviation doesn't mean bad. Right. Yeah, because we can deviate from bad (laughs) and capitulate to good. And so we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah. Yes. Um, So romantic or consummate, we're going to use those words interchangeably because that's how the rest of the literature uses them. Mm -hmm. Um, Keeping in mind that Sternberg actually differentiated between consummate and romantic love, Mm -hmm. saying that romantic love lacked commitment. Right. But consummate love doesn't. Mm. Um, so the romantic consummate love is associated with specific behavioral and psychological traits, mm. such as intense focusing on a specific individual. <laughs> I just love the terminology here. Intense focusing, like stalking. <laughs> that is exactly what I thought when yeah, I read that. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Obsessive thoughts <laughs> directed yeah. towards the partner. That's and then the stalking. Intrusive <laughs> thinking is, but it w- I sat with that because I really did immediately picture like a stalking situation mm-hmm. um, just because those words intense they're they're yeah. they're like harsh words yeah because it, it, intense focus uh, but it really, on an individual like it is intrusive re- thinking yeah. like when you you know when you fall quote fall in love with somebody they really are like what who mm-hmm. you think about what you think about and that that type of thought that is focused on them I, does I, intrude into yeah. your sure your uh, other I am, thoughts i immediately thought stalking just as long as you as far as that uh, <laughs> intense love you know yeah. or intense obs- uh, but then you said obsession and i went codependent Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I didn't move into codependency. I stayed with the stalker. Yeah. Um, euphoria is another uh, trait that a feeling of euphoria. Sure. Craving, craving interaction, intimacy, like butterflies, sharing in the time, stomach. right, with the other person. Also among its central components are trust, caring, and intimacy. And that's virtue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except the intimacy part. So the. Uh, Romantic love is tightly related to all the still independent, but it's related to um, sexual 
desire. And I'll talk a little bit more about physical attraction when we move into the um, love at first sight part of this. Because it's important. Look, mm-hmm. Looks matter according to the to the research of things. Mm-hmm. They matter. So, <clears throat> um, interestingly, anthropological investigations indicate that romantic love is a human cross-cultural phenomenon that plays a critical role in mate preference. So you can hear the evolutionary language here. Mm-hmm. Um, neuro- well, especially when they say anthropological, you know, because they're dealing with now, you know, anthropology, you know, the study of... Well, our Human metaphysical, beings. yeah, the study of our uh, metaphysical nature. Yeah, yeah. well, f- across time. So mm-hmm. um, neuroimaging studies in humans link have linked romantic love to activations in the brain's reward and motivation systems. So, mm-hmm. um, which is also like it's our fight flight mm-hmm. system. Um, another theory of love, which could be the second show mm-hmm. on our nighttime radio theory of network love. <laughs> with Dr. Another Drew. Theory of Right. Um, comes from John A. Lee. And I'm not exactly sure who he was, if he's if he was a psychologist or a sociologist. I didn't do uh, any research into who he was. But it, um, this theory is a taxonomy called the six love styles. Mm-hmm. And he developed this in his 1973 Ugh. book. Ready for this? Are you ready? Colors of love mm. colors spelled c-o-l-o-u-r-s uh, colors of love colors um, yeah so according to his taxonomy different people approach love relationships in different ways and mm. he used six greek latin words to describe the six, six different styles so i'm going to actually go through those this right reminds now. me of the love languages which i can oh yeah it, do, it totally like does yeah. kind of yeah um so numero uno is eros okay and this is the color red mm-hmm. um so in greek mythology eros is the son of aphrodite mm-hmm. and the god of love uh the description so this love style is one of the most commonly portrayed in hollywood movies also known quote as love at first sight and it is based on chemistry and a strong physical and or emotional mm. attraction you got mail. sleepless in seattle you got mail. oh gosh mm-hmm. that Okay, everybody loves that movie. Fine, it's well acted. You know what I was, but a I big just fan. I'm just like so unimpressed with their rom- the romance of that. Like it's like. Or you got mail. I, Same actress. I love you got mail, but but let's just talk for a second about how Meg Ryan should have run screaming <laughs> from the guy that like systematically yeah. gaslit her and lied to her yeah. the entire movie. Yeah, great movie though. Love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um. The more the most like romantic part of Sleepless in Seattle is the fact that they like pay homage to mm-hmm. a truly wonderful movie with Cary Grant and Deborah Carr, mm-hmm. An Affair to Remember, yeah. and they're meet they're you know supposed to. That was a big scene. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it's like, but you don't know each like you don't. There's nothing legitimate here. Mm-hmm. There's like nothing of substance. It's in the here. script, Ron. That's true. <laughs> but how did it become like such a cult? Uh, well, I don't know. It, it was one Classic. of those transcending chick flicks uh, I, or rom-coms yeah. too as well that had well. A, that actually had a deep story plot you know did it? I mean? well it, they it, killed it, off his wife in the beginning and that's supposed <laughs> to make it deep like i really it just shows it's you actually the 90s. not it's really superficial <laughs> it's, like falling in love with somebody it, on the radio like that yeah no and that, like when when you think of the movie high fidelity too as well which is a romantic comedy <laughs> but it had a deep plot and it was watching a man kind of just progress through i've never seen 
seen that. His movie. denial of fantasies. I know it's yeah. one of your favorites. It's it's. I've never w- seen it. One of my favorite movies. It's yeah. in my top five. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen it. Yeah. Maybe that's one we should watch. I relate to the movie a lot. That's all. Mm-hmm. So. High fidelity. Okay. The second uh, category in the taxonomy is Ludos, which I'm, if I'm pronouncing any of this wrong, I'm sorry. Um, the color associated with this is blue. Um, it's based on Conquen. Conquest, excuse me. It's Latin for games. Mm. So this is like the kind of love that's used by people who see love as a game and want to win it, win the game. Mm. The focus is on having fun in the moment and therefore relationships of the sort tend to be very short. A fling. A fling, a fling-a-ding. A a spring-a-ding fling. That's not a thing. My latest flame, (laughs) as Elvis would say. So I really like this next word, um, but I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. So the third category is storge mm. or storge maybe that's where children come from <laughs> stored oh, from the, the storage yeah the storage. so um it's based on friendship and the the style so sorry the color of this one is yellow mm. so like a paternal love storage that takes plain place between two friends I still try to figure i out. really like <laughs> when i first read it i thought it said storage and i was yeah. like well that's weird but yeah. it's not it's s-t-o-r-g-e mm. Store, storage, or storge. Mm. Anyway, so yellow is that color, and so that style of love grows slowly out of friendship. It's based more on similar interests and a commitment to one another rather than on passion. Mm. The next one, number four out of six, is pragma, mm. like liquid hot magma. Yeah, and it's based on practicality. Yeah, as a pragmatic. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a combination of ludos. Plus, plus storage mm. or storge. I don't know. This love style is practical and realistic. People who prefer this style approach relationships in a quote business like fashion mm. and look for partners with whom they can share common goals. So this color is green. Mm. It's green love. Mania is the next one. Number five, numero cinco. The color here is violet. I don't know why they like, I would have made this green. He's just running out of colors. Is he? Are we running out of (laughs) colors? Um, So uh, this is a combination. It's based on obsession. It's a combination of Eros and Ludos. And it usually flows out of low self-esteem and a need to be loved by one's partner. So this is your codependency. Mm. Lovers of this sort usually become very possessive and jealous, Mm. which is why I thought green would be. It's a combination of what? Uh, Eros and Ludos. So the first one, the color red. That's the romantic love and Ludos the conquest, the game playing. And what color is that? So the first, uh, so it's red, com- and red and blue, which so would make green. What, 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 which would, yeah. Guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, is it, would it make green or would I don't it make, know, or maybe magenta. it would make magenta. Yeah. So that's why he's doing How? that. How? I yeah. need to go back to my kindergarten yeah. art class. Yeah. So that's why he's doing that. Yeah. yeah that, I mean, that would yeah. make, because right, it's blue. It's like blue yeah. and yellow make green. All right. I'm sorry, dude. Okay. I was just not giving you the benefit of the doubt, but you knew what you were doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. that That's the thing yeah. that makes Lee the expert, yeah, Nick. Yeah, right. Agape. Um, this is based on selflessness. See, and, 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 and that's some of what we were going um, to talk about. Yes. Um, because there. the word agape doesn't mean that. But, oh, uh, agape, yeah. agape. Um, so that's a combination, according to Lee, of Eros and Storge. Mm-hmm. Storge. 
store. Yeah. Which is, so that is uh, red and um, yellow together. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this style of love, <clears throat> um, the individual is willing to sacrifice anything for their partner. It's based on an unbreakable commitment and an unconditional selfless love. Mm-hmm. So that's, we two theories, two love theories for you guys. Um, that is not exhaustive, but anymore my brain couldn't hold and uh, it just gets really confusing. We start to add more than two theories in there, I think in one episode. So what about love at first sight, Nick? What do you just curiously, what do you think about love at first sight? I believe that there's attraction at first sight and maybe a, a, um, you know, at at first sight, I want to go pursue as opposed to somebody that I'm just hanging around and then getting an infection for. I believe that love at first sight because love is defined by the Bible in a particular way and has a particular design. And meaning, right. And meaning. Requirements. I think it would be far and few between that you experience that. Yeah. Um, so and I, you would have to know a little bit about that person. So let's just say, um, you know. Anything else is really superficial, right? Right. Like somebody can tell me about somebody. Uh, oh, she's really uh, godly. She loves scripture, blah, blah, blah. And I take their word for it and then I see her and then boom, I'm instantly in love. And I'm going to pursue it and I don't care. Right. Sure. I, I, I can see that happening, but mm. it was based off of suppositions that I've had with prior information before right. I met her. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if that's at first sight. There's always a knowledge thing um, yeah. that is before that, but I'm being a little bit technical. You're, it, well, you're trying, like you're trying to give some, some room, some room for a love at for first it sight. For possible. <clears throat> but uh, we, I mean, we've talked about order and structure already to stay focused. Uh, I can get <laughs> enamored by a woman's batting of the eyes. Sure. <laughs> you know, and that is what is what, you know, uh, prosphilis, you know, that's the Greek word to be pleasing and friendly or uh, to you or something that you find pleasing. What's the Greek word for flirting by batting your eyelashes? <laughs> by batting your eyelashes, temptation, <laughs> <laughs> um, coercion, <laughs> manipulation. Um, well, but, not necessarily. Yeah. But if you find that attractive, that's or I guess Greek not word. A necessarily in a negative way, but yeah. like with malipsion, 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 manipulation and coercion those have negative right. connotations the adulterous woman would do that but then also uh, maybe a woman who's trying to attract a man would do that and <laughs> well, I, I know like flirting yeah and know? so that attraction if i find it attraction it would be prosperous uh <laughs> which would be uh friendly something that i find uh, pleasing or good or lovely okay yeah well so romantic love at first sight has been a theme from many moons uh, in art and literature. So at least 3,000 years is what this this particular study cited. And it's still really common. We just talked about Sleepless in Seattle, common in contemporary media. I always think of Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. I think of um, West Side Story, which is actually just like a semi-modern retelling of Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it's the like really Hollywood does a great job of kind of portraying this idea of seeing someone Mm. like making eye contact with somebody for the first time Mm. and the rest of the world kind of fades away right like in that in in uh the west side story maria that i mean this is also romeo and juliet right they're at a dance Mm. they see each other they spot each other from across the room and they walk towards each other and as they're walking towards each other the rest of the room just fades into this like hue of colors like lights and all the other people disappear yeah i um you know i remember the scene in goodwill hunting 
<laughs> and I bring that that movie up before. But Robin Williams is describing how he met his wife, and he's describing uh, uh, Game Six of the Red Sox World Series, and he uh, portrays it. He's like, yeah, he had a home run and all, all that thing like that. And uh, Matt Damon goes, "Man, I can't believe you got uh, tickets uh, to that game." Um, and he goes, "Well, no, I wasn't at the game. Uh, I was having a drink with my future wife." Mm-hmm. And he goes, "What?" And he goes, "Yeah, I had the ticket, but I slid it across." And I said, sorry, fellas, I got to see about a girl. Mm-hmm. He was that in love with her or he found her that attractive mm-hmm. that he was there was no yeah. possibility of doing anything else but talking to this woman. Mm-hmm. And if you can call that love at first sight, if you'd like. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say that uh, he didn't want to pass up that opportunity. And he went. Uh, but <laughs> what if he went up to her and, and she went, yeah, my name's Fred. You know, <laughs> well, I was wrong. <laughs> he went and went to the game. <laughs> oh, Fred's need love too, Nick. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't love at first sight, attraction no. at first sight. Sure. Right. I, you know, which I think is, that's, that is also my opinion. I mm-hmm. think as Christians who understand love biblically, like you, you can't actually like really ha- share true intimacy with somebody upon the first moment that you meet. Mm-hmm. It's not there because it's, uh, well, knowledge. It's mm-hmm. cerebral. It's, I mean, yeah. yeah. And there will be plenty of people that will argue with us, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. So the concept, though, of love at first sight is widely known across culture. And get ready for this. According, this shocked me, and I should have gone and looked at these studies independently, but I did not. According to a 2001 study by Nauman and a 2017 study by Witt, Hawk, and Berolds, Approximately every third person reports having experienced mm. love at first sight. Mm. Okay, so maybe mm. like at a like on like an object or like a sweater. Like, oh my gosh, I love that sweater so much. The first time I've seen it, I must have it. Sure. Or like that puppy. I love that puppy. That uh, puppy must be mine. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's not like. Mm-hmm. But even then, you know, you put on the sweater and it doesn't fit for real. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> right. And then you, you, you oh, it wasn't love at first sight, but also things <laughs> like, like you, like if you can lose love that quickly, right? Like if you try it on and it doesn't fit now, I don't love it anymore. Yeah. Sure. Is, is that. It wasn't love at first sight. Yeah. Like it's not. Yeah. So now we need to analyze and we will what the objective understanding of love is. And then the categorical distinctions coming from that objective standard. Right. Mm-hmm. So according, so this guy, Berolds, Berolds, B-A-R-E-L-D-S. He does a lot of research in this love at first sight phenomenon. Mm-hmm. So um, he and this other, I'm guessing his wife, because it's his name with a hyphen, Dijkstra. Berolds Dijkstra. In their 2007 study found that those who report love at first sight with their partners have a more passionate relationship, which in turn has been linked to higher relationship satisfaction and stability. Mm. Um, So despite, you know, it's kind of pervasive occurrence across cultures, you know, it's this concept that we all kind of know. Um, It's not been investigated empirically a lot because ready for this quote, most scientists seem to disregard it as a romantic confabulation. <laughs> well, you'd have to have a, 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 an understanding of what romantic is, and that's not scientific, and that would be well, subjective. Well, no, we're making this scientific. These are mm-hmm. operational definitions of romance. <clears throat> so um, the hypothesis that love at first sight could be an illusion that couples 
create in order to enhance their relationships has been made. Mm -hmm. So falling in love typically involves um, cognitive biases that enhance the perception of the other person and make the relationship feel special. Mm. So love at first, first sight might not be a discreet experience or feeling, but rather a confabulated memory that adds meaning and uniqueness to a relationship. So people have a general tendency to evaluate actions based on outcomes. Um, and if their mutual or if their initial beliefs turn out to be true, they claim that they held them with confidence all along. Uh, if a person felt a strong initial attraction to a partner with whom they fell in love with later, um, the first meeting might be more likely to be later construed as love at first sight, even though that's not and I think this accurate. Is, uh, I think that's what you know, pretty much we're talking about too as well. Right. You know, oh, it was love at first sight, but, it's like, but that's really like, it's a hindsight right. or yeah. a confirmation. Now, a, lot, a lot of those feelings get reinforced. Let's just say you really like a, a woman or you really like a man and you go and you talk and then all of a sudden you find out that they're great. Hubba hubba. Yeah, it's it's going to look like love at first sight because it's reinforced by, you know, a good what, person. I <laughs> mean, it, so this is saying, like, if you go on to actually fall in love with somebody who mm -hmm. you have a strong initial attraction to, that you might love then assign sight. love at first sight yeah. as a construct that just kind of reinforces yeah. what and, you later learned. And I'll go on the record, his, I'm not trying to destroy romanticism here. <laughs> I'm not oh. going to uh, employ a dogma when you say love at first sight, you know, um, be, especially if you're worth that person for a long period of time. Well, I mean? go ahead. Like any of you guys out there that have a love at first sight experience, yeah. please. I like terms like that. Tell like, us. You know, high school sweetheart. Give, a, give like us that. that. Yeah. But that's like yeah. that actually describes a process that. Yeah, happens. sure. I mean, but I'm not going to break it down. We I met just in like high those. school. We became sweethearts right, right. and then we got married and we right. lived happily ever after. I'm right. going to try to destroy the enchantment of. You yes. Know, right. Your understanding of love. Right. You know but I mean? not yeah. like the the romantic movement. Sure. No. OK. So. um, Physical attraction, which. You can't talk about love at first sight without this. And it's a component that's looked at in most of the love studies, like romantic love studies that I read for this episode. Episode. So looks matter. Okay. And especially when it comes to love at first sight. So in the context of romantic attraction and relationships, physical attractiveness has consistently been shown to be a strong predictor of uh, partner choice. Mm -hmm. So it holds true for both sexes, mm. men and women, across cultures, and for both short-term and long-term partner preferences. Um, it's an important trait in a partner that can be assessed very quickly. And studies show that physical attraction at zero acquaintance predicts the outcomes of speed dating sessions very well, mm -hmm. which, yeah, duh. Yeah. <laughs> um. You ever, done, you ever done speed dating? No, but I have not. No. Have you? Mm -mm. I guess they really do do it. Mm -hmm. They do do it. I've done, you know, partial things. And I guess, you know, you can say the dating apps when you sl sl swipe left, swipe okay, right. Okay, but that's not. But, no, this is like in an hour, we're going to sit yeah. down and have a two minute conversation yeah, with, yeah. you know, try to find out all about people. you. Yeah. Um, initial physical attraction is a frequent theme in love at first sight narratives so that's interesting um 
how do we define physical attraction? So it is the subjective experience of positive affect or feelings toward a specific individual based on an assessment of their physicality. Mm -hmm. So a related concept is sexual attraction. Um, So interpersonal attraction with sexual motives, but it's, they make the distinction here. So like the basis for sexual attraction um, is physical attraction, but you might be physically attracted to to someone who you aren't sexually attracted to is how they're breaking this down. Mm. Uh, I don't, yeah. Okay. Like they're an attractive person, but I don't have any desire to have sex with them. Mm -hmm. Um, So physical attractiveness facilitates or likely facilitates love at first sight because good looking people are more likely to be viewed in an inflated positive view. Um, They are typically assigned to more positive character traits. That's a phenomenon known as the halo effect Mm. and positive biases towards partners increased with their physical attraction. According to a study from 2009 um, headed by Swami Steiger Hobner Vorasek and Furnum. Hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, physical att- you know, attractiveness matters. Um, and you can't get away from that concept either. No. Now, uh, I, you know, us as Christians, and I've heard, you know, particular pastors uh, said that's superficial as well. Well, I do think that, like, somebody's godliness should automatically supersede. Mm-hmm like importance Mm -hmm. over physical attractiveness, but it is important. It's important that you are attracted to your partner. Yeah. I mean, and the Bible puts an emphasis on, um, you know, uh, like what you said, godliness being more important and that not to let your adornment be or your world be right. You know, the, the earrings and all all that stuff. Uh, But, um, and, and what I will say about this is if you're looking for somebody to you know and you want them to be godly the first thing that you see is how they look sure sure and sure. so and that might intrigue you you know by the way they dress by the way they carry themselves and it's different strokes for all kinds of people you know what i mean what we find attractive and what we don't find attractive but you are compelled at that first sight or whatever sure. to, to make a move so i think it, like it would likely i would concede like Attraction at first sight mm-hmm. is a much better way of describing mm-hmm. what actually occurs. Yeah. Now there have been people that didn't pursue attraction or anything like that. Let's just say they just they were hanging around and they just liked each other's personalities. So things have been and then they, beca- they became became more physically attracted. Yeah. yeah. You hear that happen a lot. Yes. And I think that that happens a lot. I mean, it's just well, I just yeah. got to know her, and then hey, man, I like. And then it. all of a sudden, it was like mm-hmm. brown chicken, brown cow. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Uh, you start noticing things about somebody that, that you, you didn't, didn't notice. notice before. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Based off of you getting to know them. And I would say that, yeah, I mean, if you can pursue that, that's going to be a lot easier than the shallowness in your mind, if you want to call it shallowness, if, <sighs> if you're just looking for particular features. I think it becomes shallow when mm-hmm. that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. Or that's the, like the ultimate deal breaker. Sure. Right. Physical attraction. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. As a Christian, sure, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, so I what has got to be a balance? What does yeah. the What does the Lord say about romantic love, Nick? What is you'll scripture? never find it. No, oh. I'm just kidding. 
Well, I mean, let's wah, just let's wah. let's start with the the ultimate act of love, and we have to we have to yes, mention this, we you do. know, which is the ultimate act of love. It's the not romantic love, yeah. right? No, this is agape. This is yeah. what really true agape affection. The Lord does Selfless have affection. Love, yes, yeah, yeah, and uh, and really, the Bible would describe that as affection, or um, um, you know, an unmerited. I, I have an affection for you. It's based off of me, my own heart. Right, right. You know. Um, that I'm gravitating towards that. And so the Lord does have passion for his people, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to say it that yeah. way. No, I mean, yeah. that's the terminology that's used for but, sure. And then we, you know, you, you have different types, you know, uh, a lot of people describe agape as unconditional, you know, unconditional love, you know, uh, without condition. I have an affection for you. Um, you know, agape is used in the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, that love is agape, you know, and it's, production from the spirit Mm -hmm. so i have may have not have had an affection for particular individuals or particular objects or things or whatever outside of christ but then my heart has changed sure and now i have an affection for things that i didn't right i love what god loves i hate what god hates yeah but then also paul tells timothy for god has not given us a spirit of timidity but the uh, of power and love and self-discipline that love is agape Mm -hmm. in there so the power, you know, um, of <laughs> that sounds like a Huey Lewis song, the power of <laughs> the love, power you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the power of love. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it, that's an, a, an affection of true affection uh, for that. And then we have, you know, phileo, uh, which is a, a love of the will. It's an action. I'm doing this, uh-huh. you know. You could even say duty. It's my duty to do this. Right. And there is a categorical distinction in there, especially within marriage um, as well. You have the agape love, and then you're choosing to act upon that. And you know that because of your duty, because of that commitment, I'm going to act this way, even if you don't feel that sure, way Sure, right. I think that's the, such a huge, that's such a huge important point. Mm-hmm. Your feelings mm-hmm. do not need to be congruent mm-hmm. with the decisions and actions mm-hmm. that you take in godly obedience in S- love. Sin gets in the way, and or, we're not always enamored with our spouses, you know, know. At, at the moment. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. And I say this not being married, but I've been around enough married couples to. Well, and you've learn been from them. you've been in relationships too, sure. so yeah. like lo- like relationships where you were in love with the person, you know. And to chronicle my history, and I, I I bring that up at the beginning, and if I can be vulnerable for a second, I wish that I had that phileo understanding mm-hmm. because I never saw it as a duty, right? Which means I didn't have the right definition of love, so my affection was purely just feeling. I didn't yeah, right. Have it was that. only based in emotion, right. right? I could call it agape. <clears throat> but it wasn't. But it wasn't. No. It was just. Well, and I think that's one of the things that makes like secular, the secular understanding of love so flimsy. Like mm-hmm. if it's only emotional and our emotions are highly transient and subjective and influenceable, mm-hmm. influenceable and flu. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I liked the idea and the concept of intimacy. And so to go back to that movie. But if it wasn't making you feel good, yeah. it would have, it wouldn't have been worthwhile. Right. right. Which means that's why you get the, the guy's stereotype is that we're only searching for one thing and that's sex kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because I liked that part. And so I had to play the game to get to that part. So you, you know were, what it, you were the Ludos. Sure. The Ludos yeah. of the typologies. Loco. Yeah. But like, you know. <laughs> loco for Ludos. Yeah, cups. Loco for Ludos. Um, but uh, <laughs> Philagros uh, is another uh, word in, in the scripture, which usually uh, uh, it has been defined as a love of money. 
Okay. But it's also covetousness. I want gross. I liked the idea of what intimacy would fulfill and that intimacy would fill my sexual proclivities. Oh, I see. And so I was I was wanting that. It's not just related to money. It's like a a greed of things. Yeah. But I also know I couldn't get that unless I showed or played a game. Right. And this is what we say. You know, I got game uh, of sort of a, a pseudo partner. You know, oh, I'm with you. I love you. I would never do this. I would never do this. I get what I want and then I leave. I just like, like, can't even see that person. No, me either. Uh, Me either. And it's left a lot of scars. Yeah. And so if I had the true definition of love. Like, I mean, that person is completely gone from who you are. Sure. Ladies. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Don't take my word of it. You know, Robin (laughs) Robin says it's true. It would be, it's really like, it's, it would, it's the experience of it is literally like Nick drew a cartoon of his former self and yeah. is like you're comparing those two images because it's just not who he is full of zits and loserdom oh um uh, but and uh, philog- what is it again the name the, the term uh which philog philagro yeah philagros Philagra- yeah. yeah yeah uh full which- of zits and philagros <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you're such full of philagros yeah but then there's uh, a philagris or a philagris, right. which we, you would put be the, the like antithesis. Yeah. The opposite of that. A, a love without greed or without covetousness, mm-hmm. which yeah. is good, which is Paul exhorts you to actually when he exhorted Timothy, you know what I mean? Uh, is to not be in want, you know, not to fall in love with the world or the things of the world or uh, the stuff in the world. That's not what your, uh, you know, you shouldn't capitulate to philagros, but be a philagros. Okay. Yes. Which means when you look at a philagros, it means I'm not. I'm not um, almost expecting uh, a return. Uh, like I'm not wanting the like return. A, no, it's 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 an altruistic yes, it's, love. Yes. So like I'm giving with no expectation right. that I will receive anything in mm-hmm. return, even like acknowledgement or thanks. Mm-hmm. Right. I always think of that. This is uh, this is my ADHD coming out like crazy. But whenever I whenever you get like a GoFundMe link Mm -hmm. or any kind of like donation link and first someone or a family, right. That, um, is going through a hard time or maybe has like medical expenses or something that they need. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of most recently the pastor who died in the house fire with his two sons. Did Mm -hmm. you see? So did you, do you know? No, no, I haven't. Oh my gosh. It's so unbelievably horrendous. Um, he managed to get, his wife and I think six other children out of the house Mm -hmm. and realized two of his sons, one, I think 10 and one 17 were not out. And he Mm. went back into the house fire and the three of them perished. Mm. Oh, horrible. Um, but I, you, you get the, the GoFundMe page and you see donations and you see people that are like, one day I hope to be of the kind of affluence where I can just make a $10,000 donation mm-hmm. to something like that. But you see don't these donators like anonymous donation of $10,000 and you know, there's probably lots of reasons that go into why you would want to remain anonymous if you were making a donation like sure. that. But I just, those that, that falls into that category for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm giving because I have it to give mm-hmm. and because I want to love you mm-hmm. in a return free, like without ex- expectation of any return whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even want acknowledgement mm-hmm. that I'm giving. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, in scripture it talks about like, don't let the, don't let the right hand know what the left is doing or mm-hmm. vice versa. Right. Like mm-hmm. you, you don't 
act in charity so that you can be acclaimed for it, mm-hmm. right? You give because God yeah. so freely gives this is to you. what Jesus uh, starts to um, <laughs> teach in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't sound a trumpet you right. know, on there. However, it does say, let your good works shine. Right. So speak that for people, themselves, yeah, right. speak for themselves. So, you know, at the same time, it's not a sin to publicly display your name. Sure. When no, you give. Right, right. It's definitely um, not. Especially I, if you're making I hope much I'm of not a board. Im- I'm yeah. not implying that at all. But it's then, just, I, I appreciate so much like that right. anonymous. Donor. Yeah. It, but then, yeah. But, uh, but then also there's a discernment and discreteness uh, that when somebody puts an anonymous uh, you respect that decision yeah, too right, as well for sure. because they didn't want to even right. they wanted to not be named yeah right and, and to anybody's thought that they were doing right. you know blowing a trumpet they just wanted to they stay just far. wanted to do it and i always respect those decisions right. and I, I i try to have a balance between what i would feel like mm-hmm. um um and uh so if i'm like donating to um um i, I want to show my good works and so like uh Adoption is very important to right, me. Right. And I want to show everybody that not only do I support adoption, but this is why I support sure. adoption. Right. And it, because God adopts It makes us. much of right. God. And mm-hmm. so, no, I'm going to display my name and here's why. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Over somebody's tragedy and things like that, that's just between me and them, you know? And like you, so yeah. you, what you're saying is you have like, mm-hmm. you have a filter you use. Yeah, I that, usually like, use a filter. That now, you like categorize that kind yeah, of Yeah, I haven't broken down mathematically and sometimes it may seem arbitrary, but. I mean, it's, it's that, whatever it's, my conscience that's personal, yeah. right? Yeah. It's personal. I want to keep I my definitely clear. don't want to imply that if you put your name next to the donation mm-hmm. you make that there's anything wrong. No, with not that. at all. There isn't. Um, <laughs> it could be just as righteous oh, yeah. as, as, as an anonymous. Right. Well, and yeah. being anonymous could be unrighteous also. Like if you, you know, right. So there's, yeah. it could go both ways. Yeah. I just, when I see things like that, it makes me think of that. Like, I don't even want mm-hmm. the acknowledgement that I'm. Doing this, and we all know the difference between look at me, look at me, look at me, sure, and look at Christ, look at right. Christ, look at Christ. Huge yeah. difference, <laughs> yeah, yeah. guys. And uh, that would be a, a flagrus, right? You know, uh, uh, I mean, a love with greed or covetousness, or look at me. I want right. attention, or I want something. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and I, I do like phileo love uh, of the will. You know, the duty, and that's where I really went wrong in my life. You know, and, and I, I, I just mentioned that, but. What I really went along <clears throat> in my life is that I didn't understand commitment in the acts of the will and to the action. The, the responsibility. Right? We have love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, mind and strength. strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Those are two right. commandments. Those are agape. Right, right. That's it. The totality of the law right. is that. Now, what I find fascinating in the first commandment is love the Lord your God with your mind. Yeah. And, well, and we're psychologists. Why? Right. Why not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. It just shows that love actually is cerebral in this sense. Right there, yes, there is an, like an active thinking. Yeah, it's knowledge, it's wisdom. Right, it's wisdom. Right, and that's what I lacked, and that's why I did not understand love or intimacy or partnership. I would just going with the categorical designs and patterns of which I grew up with, and well, then wanted to fill in the lusts. In you're indoctr you're indoctrinated by. Yeah. culture right. uh, to, this is what love is this right. is what love should be I, I like I I don't know at 10 11 12 years old mm-hmm. I really believed that like at 16 I was going to meet the man I would marry mm-hmm. and we were going to ride off into the sunset on a horse and Prince, it's like Prince Charming yeah just mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. ridiculous but uh, it was that was it that was what I really believe like I, I didn't actually literally believe there would be a horse but I like that you meet the person that you're going to marry when you're in high school mm-hmm. and you grow up together and it you seems great right? right and it's just so 
not mm-hmm. And because it has happened, you're like, well, one, right. why not to me? Right. <laughs> but you never think of that. Well, that. and you like learn to covet, quote, covet or, or like desire things that really like, mm-hmm. is that actually a godly desire? Mm-hmm. Like, why, why am I really desiring that? But then I look at the scripture and look at the Song of Solomon, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful poem about The leaping about antelopes. Right. Showing romantic behavior. Sure. Even back then. Oh, totally. Right. Love. So we had. I think we have examples yeah. all through scripture. We have all this, of all, yeah. like we have infatuation, yeah. like David yeah. seeing, um, oh my gosh, her name on the roof. Bathsheba. But yeah, Bathsheba bathing on the roof. Um, that was. Infatuation, lust, right? That was flagrous. Yeah. So, um, but we, so we've got examples of like, then you have um, uh, Isaac and Rachel mm-hmm. and uh, you get real solid examples of romantic love, of jealous love, mm-hmm. of infatuation and lust. Like God speaks to this a lot. And mm-hmm. as Christians, we're supposed to take everything that he says about it and mm-hmm. come to an understanding of what like godly mm-hmm. Christ centered romantic quote love actually which is, is a good thing yeah which is a good thing I, and i love the shulamite woman in the song of solomon don't awaken love before it's time oh yes you know i didn't mean no, that they weren't attracted to no uh, leaping yeah. antelopes they were you. they were extolling each other mm-hmm. they were uh uh what well, you know you're handsome or you're beautiful yeah. and they had you know your teeth are like a goat and all that stuff oh, man. You know, i don't yeah. know it's uh, really great whatever romantic language is yeah. Like, oh yeah i mean but it, like, it, it, i am like it really a goat. made a lot of sense like it would have been the love poem and i love that it's a oh, i love your teeth they all have twins meaning you're not missing any <laughs> <laughs> you, know, like, you are I'm not like, toothless yeah you're not toothless. i know you know what i mean teeth aren't important yeah they james didn't have had, crest back then james you know? has great teeth yeah yeah i don't um but there's nothing uh, wrong with yeah there's nothing wrong with no. them but you know i always point out flaws in me oh that one's a little crooked ladies yeah, yeah, yeah. next teeth are not bad yeah that's all you mm-hmm. you, you, you just compliment my teeth i'm yours <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, uh, but so we do see a romantic action, you know, sure. um, yes. um, you know, back then, um, and but it's never supersedes duty. Right. Which, which is why I bring up the Shulamite woman again, though they were enamored with each other and it was working towards that final consummation. Right. It wasn't bad. It, it was wasn't good. bad. No, I'm glad, you know, and right. they were searching for each other. Where are mm-hmm. you at? You know, my, you know, my husband went to war, but you know, right now I'm in the garden. Where is he at? I'm looking for him and I'm lovesick. Where, where are you? Right, right. I'm, you know, I miss you. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's great. Yes. You know, that's the romance. And then he goes, don't want to wake in love for it uh, before it's time. Meaning they wanted to. Right. But it's not good. But we're being wise. Yeah. But we're, uh, we're being wise in it right. because that physical intimacy, that agape love, both affectionate for each other. Mm-hmm. And you feel that euphoria and there is a euphoria in final consummation. Of course. Right. Uh, final concept, which is another movie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's final destination. destination. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I was like, wait, what is he yeah. making a pot uh, of yeah. there? Um, <clears throat> and uh, working towards that final confirmation, uh, con- uh, consummation um, is a phileo uh, uh, understanding, a, a duty. Mm-hmm. You have the duty. Why? Right. Well, I can't tell you how many men that I've counseled who have sex addictions, process addictions, uh, with the sexual energy, pornography, right. all kinds of things. And it leaves scars. And it also starts, uh, to, to manipulate environment of how you treat women, how you sure. view women, oh my vice gosh. versa. But I mean, this is, that's, it's true for men and women. Right. When you watch, when you are 
like actively engaged in media intake where like all it is is an objectification of people then you start to project that we think about codependency let's go to the female side you know uh about fathers abandoned maybe mom was uh neglectful maybe both and you start clinging on the relationships before you know and and fear that they're going to leave so you give up your body kind of thing and that happens a lot and i know women like that um, and, uh, if they had the structure, the duty, the wisdom, we've talked about this before. If I had the wisdom now, I could have avoided all those scars. Right, you know? right. Um, and I would have pursued healthy relationships or hopefully, yes. yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't have had to worry about abandonment. Right. You know what I mean? There'd and, be a lot less like I have yeah. to contend with, you know, no one's undermining your issues of attachment, you right. know, um, but <laughs> the wisdom in the structure is supposed to be, uh, well, it, it's supposed to take you away from those dangers. Mm-hmm. And I wish I knew that. And I bet, you know, uh, you know, my past partners wish they knew that too as right, well. Right, right. Um, so this is not all on me, but yeah, this is, uh, I, I'm owning up to my responsibilities as well. And so, uh, uh, you know, I, I've learned that over the years. Well, and, and I think it really it like feeds into the, the idea of like, how do we treat dating and c- like courtship and boyfriend, girlfriend, right. like prior to right. being ready to be married. And, and then. One of the most beautiful and dangerous things you can see, you know, Genesis, the two became uh, right, one. one flesh. Jesus reiterates that. Paul reiterates right. that. What and says, God has brought together, let no man put asunder. Now, Paul saw the danger in that, uh, not saying that it's bad. Paul saw the danger because he's like, hey, sexual immorality, didn't you, don't you know it says that the two become one? Mm-hmm. Right. And like, if you, you don't have that commitment, right. you don't have that duty, you don't have that agape, you're just like, looking for your lust. What does it actually lusts? mean to mm-hmm. treat the other person, your mm-hmm. husband or your wife, as the same flesh as you? And what happens when the two become one, but the new ditcher? Uh, you're brokenhearted. You're fractured. Something is happening in your mind, too. And it will cycle through mm-hmm. and repeat itself yep. if you're not capitulating to a proper understanding of what love is yeah. and what intimacy is. Marriage is what the duty ulti- is marriage is the ultimate act of love as far as relational love that we have between human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's a covenant that yeah. you make with another human and with God, right. like and the three persons of the Trinity. There's the duty part. Right. You have that. Right. Which is why when your feelings don't mm-hmm. match that mm-hmm. anymore, you aren't allowed to just right. jump ship. Me and you tend to bring back everything to identity. Yes. So it, it, it behooves you to understand who you are. Yeah, and in light of Christ. In right. light of Christ. Right. And gender is important it in is. this. Yes. Right. Giving to the pointing to today's culture where yeah. it doesn't matter. We can just be what we want to be. Right. And I hope it's a phase <laughs> that uh. just that sprinkles out. But it, it, but I'm a man and I need to understand what a man is in a relationship. Right. That of a leader. Yeah. That of treating the woman in the understanding way, knowing that she's the weaker vessel. Mm-hmm. I have to understand that. Right. And which what, means that I kind of have to God have. God requires of me because of that right. role. Which means I have to really, really kind of understand how women think too as well. And uh, Good uh, luck, buddy. Right. But it is very hard if that woman doesn't understand who she is. Sure. Meaning it's going to be hard to lead without somebody not submitting. Sure. Yes. Causing ruckus. But then vice versa. It's hard to submit with a tyrant as well. Yes. Yes. It's actually equally important that both men and women understand their God designed roles. Right. And how to fulfill them. My agape for you 
should elicit a phileo, uh, which is duty. I have a duty. Isn't that a Blink-182 song? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I have a duty under God Yeah. to treat the woman right. Yes, to love her the way right. Christ loves the church. Right. right. Sacrificially. Sacrificially. Mm-hmm. And greater love Self- knows no man than this. Selflessly, yes. 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 And so it's a selfless, sacrificial, dutiful love. Altruistic love, yeah. And what's great about that is that there's intimacy, euphoria, romantic yes. actions. Yeah. It all comes it in It feels full good. Right. A lot of the time. Uh, waiting till you're married to experience all of that stuff. Intimacy. To becoming physical one. Intimacy, physical intimacy. Physical yeah. intimacy. To become one. First, first of all, that's uh, your commanded yes. obedience to do that. But it's not just a religious checklist. We no. see the design There's and we see the reason, consequences for not doing Right. It. When you engage in physical intimacy outside of right. that two, fl- like two separate fleshes mm-hmm. becoming one flesh, you get death and destruction and chaos. So Jesus says monogamy was the design. No, it's protection. It is a, like to be mm-hmm. to be physically intimate underneath the protective umbrella of a marriage. Mm-hmm. Is it's not so that you are deprived mm-hmm. of sexual experience. Mm-hmm. It's actually so that you are fully safe mm-hmm. to explore and enjoy yeah, and that experience. You know, I, I I look back at my past and go, man, there would have been a lot of things that I would have avoided if I same I didn't <laughs> lust after that. Well, and you didn't like I mean it's really not even a giving in to temptation because there was never any boundary or like yeah. obstacle to right, overcome. Right. And then uh, basically uh, my uh, drug addiction was really simpatico and meth is it makes you hypersexual anyway, but um there was a process addiction in there before that. I searched after right. sex. Mhm. And then I just found a drug that made that, you know, enhanced that, you know? And so, uh, they were, I mean, I would, I would say that I had more of a process addiction than a drug addiction because uh, at this point in my life, the desire to do drugs is zero, but the desire to be physically intimate with somebody is not. Well, and that's (laughs) a good thing. And that's a good thing. Now I've appropriated it in my mind, withheld myself from sexual Mm self-control. Yeah. Remember, he gives you the spirit of self-control. Right. And so I had to overcome through harsh seasons um, of learning to control my own body. Just lots of splash and cold water on your face, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but there was a lot of frustration sorry, in there, I'm too. I'm really not trying to make the light of that, because no, I know I mean, it's not. It, it, there was a lot of frustration in that, too, as well. A lot of loneliness. Mm-hmm. It feels like that. That actually pointed to the fact that I am not called to be single. But I was called to be obedient in singlehood right okay so I had to learn that and it was better for me to learn how to become a man through that um fasting period um and uh if you want to call it a fasting period well what's uh what are the bad things that you do after fasting right so let's just say binge yeah binge (laughs) right so okay I'm pursuing women now I'm going to try to find a wife where it was before I was staying put and obedient. And I, I do and believe it without, was a, without seeking, without seeking. And yeah. I do believe it was a directive from God to learn how to become a man. To for learn. A wife. Yeah. Agreed. Right. Um, we always say uh, to drug addicts, you know, in the first year, don't make any right. new changes. Don't be looking for a thoroughbred at a yeah. donkey farm. Folks. Whatever you uh, want to do, wait a year. Right. <laughs> I did seven. <laughs> <laughs> the, the holy and complete number of seven. Um, it, it, it could have ended sooner, but I, I, I drug it along. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm the better for it. 
Mm. And um, none of that is wasted. Yeah, none of yeah. that is wasted or in vain. Because right. I learned what a husband is, what a man is, what a father is. All yada, right, yada, single yada, ladies, yada. I hope you're listening. Uh, now, and he doesn't have bad teeth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but knowing is only what knowing is only half the battle. <laughs> I do have to. I'm going to learn by experience too, as well. Sure, so, but I have the fundamentals down. Um, was this always the case in history? You know what I mean? When oh, we yeah. talk about uh, ancient courtship, right? There's that word ancient again. Right. You already bring in there. <laughs> and, you know, we have barbarism, you know, uh, of people stealing wives and capturing oh, yes. wives. Right. You know what I mean? And that was stealing practiced a lot. Yeah. Stealing somebody else's wife, things like that. But then we have an old ancient French custom, right? According to the old French custom, as the moon went through all its phases, the couple drank a brew called uh, uh, methglin. Uh, which was a mead made of honey, hence honey mead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fun. That's <laughs> yeah. interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, so it's just a warm drink made of honey. You that's know interesting. I mean? Yeah. Hence, we get the word honeymoon, that's right? So, uh, so uh, uh, but arranged ma- or marriages were the norm, and we see right. that throughout. Right. I history. mean, like yeah. our current understanding of like mm-hmm. love and relationships is really very modern. Like yeah. it hasn't existed for all that. It, I mean, romantic love as a concept has been. Well, we already Forever. we already discussed that the Bible but, but obviously talks about it. But marrying for yeah. romantic love alone is really yeah. just a very recent right. phenomenon. And we see a deviation from that too as well. Mm-hmm. Um, before, like let's just say the sexual revolution in the 1960s right. of bodily autonomy. What really what the advent of the birth control did was give that, uh, that generation an epiphany. Right. I'm not going to suffer any consequences because if I take birth control, I won't have a child and I can leave and then there's no commitment and I'm not. Right. There's no I don't. Right. There's I don't have any like I'm not bound by duty to you. Right. But then people acclimated to that and said, "Okay, I don't need marriage, but I just I do need love. Right. And then pretty soon that love becomes the standard and you can just replace it by, ah, well, as long as I, you know, get what I need. You know, and we start deviating from that. And now we have one night stands and flings and not a lot of people think that is absurd you know, or wrong. And then I have to counsel them (laughs) once they keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. But then we have medieval chivalry too, as well from buying a woman uh, dinner to opening uh, the door for her. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Many of today's courting rituals are rooted in medieval chivalry. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 So during medieval times, the importance of love in a relationship emerged as a reaction to arranged marriages, but was still not considered a prerequisite in matrimonial decisions. That's right? so interesting. Right. Su- Medieval. Okay. Yeah. That's where we see it. Su- uh, suitors wooed their intended uh, uh, with serenades and flowery poetry. So if you had an arranged marriage, right. then the guy felt, hey, I'm going to be a romantic this right. way. I'm going to woo you. Right. Well, if you look at the- Like bibli- we're already married. The duty is established right. and the connection is established, but now we're going to fall in love with each other. But I'm mostly, I'm mostly understanding this in a biblical way because that's what I, how I right. view the Song of Solomon. Right, right, right. right. Yes. Uh-huh. Solomon was king. He wasn't going yeah. out to the town square going, hey, Shulamite. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, um, um, you know, re- but they were both reciprocating, right? Right. So now we have both are in it. It's not just, here's my daughter, marry her, kind of thing like right. that. Which, I, okay, I don't Honestly, mind that. Like, no, go ahead. If, if you have really, like, if you have really godly parents and they love you and love the Lord, mm-hmm. how could it be, like, bad for them to play mm-hmm. a part in helping you to pick a spouse? And with, you know, feminism nowadays, I have to make the choice. Right, I have to right. do this. It's all I about have, independence right. and autonomy versus, like, yeah. benefiting from the wisdom now, of... Remember, wiser generations remember the curse on the land okay 
you know, men, you labor through thorns and thistles. And, and women, women you labor seek, pains. Well, and, and you will seek to usurp the headship placed right. upon you. And, uh, you know, it, it says that you will desire your husband, but he will rule over you. Now, when we look at the word desire, you're like, you will long for, but he's going to be a tyrant. Yeah. That's not what that means. No, it's not. That word desire is the same Hebrew word used when God looked at Cain and said, sin desires to have you. Yeah. It's a consuming desire. Right, 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 right. It's a usurp, like you said. Mm -hmm. It's not the type of desire like agape or like you're searching for. It's not a good desire. It's not a good desire. Mm -hmm. And yet you will fail in that. Yeah. And so you always feel sad. Second. Right. Which is not at, a, at all the design. Which feminists feel that. So that's why they right. go, ah. oh my gosh. Guys. And they're exhibiting the curse right yes. there. Now, what is the remedy to that curse? Well, the understanding right. in Christ, Christ your yeah. role, so that right. now nothing gets interrupted. You're right. being a lawyer as, uh, as a leader, as a submissive wife, and you're reciprocating love back and right, forth. Right, right. Co, like, co. It's a compliment. It's a compliment, exactly. Yes. That's the word I was looking for. Yes. Co-compliment. <laughs> Co-compliment. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Uh, with the understanding of what each individual is and is not. Right. Whatever a man is, a woman is not, and but vice versa. Right. <laughs> Complimentary. You know, I am all things except what, what a, woman a woman is. is. Yes. <laughs> right. I love that. Yeah. And I need your help. Yes. <laughs> we actually do yes. need each other. We need each other. We right. can't survive without each other. I need right. a woman. A woman needs a man. Mm-hmm. And here's what I offer. Here's what you offer. Let's get together and make one flesh. Yes. And lots of Jamaica, other. Jamaica, Yeah. Come uh, on, baby, mama. <laughs> um, and uh, so Kokomo is, uh, is the, <laughs> You know, that's what the Solomon product was talking of about. Yeah. love. But in, 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 in 1228, it is said by uh, uh, by many that women first gained the right to propose in marriage in Scotland. Oh. To propose. Oh, cool. What, what do you feel about uh, female proposals? Um, Like a woman getting down on her knee. No, I don't like it at all. I don't but, think I, I, I. But the general society doesn't like it, but especially Christians. Yeah. Like no. It. So what is it about the man? I actually just watched a movie, or not a movie, like a video clip of a lady who, in front of Disneyland or Disney World, whatever, like the entrance, got down on her knee with a box, and the boyfriend starts, like, laugh crying, and he then gets down on his knee and pulls a box out of his pocket. Like, he was also planning to propose to her, but neither one of them knew. Yeah. And I'm just like, look what you did. Like You ruined it. You ruined, you guys ruined it. Because you're like, you know what, I'm going to be progressive here and you ruined a moment uh but here's the thing why do men feel like that why do men feel like the uh they they have to be the pursuer because i think it's right and true true that a man be the pursuer right um in genesis we do see that because woman is made for this very reason uh, a, 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 a husband a man leaves his father and mother and then is joined to his wife it's always the man leaving and then being joined to his wife, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And that should be because we uh, a woman was taken out of us is intrinsically and inherently in our DNA to be the pursuer. And there's no way around it. Right. And we see this throughout history is the man is always what? The one pursuing. And we see that in the middle of chivalry uh, as well. 
Um, a number of historians have pointed out that this uh, supposed leap year proposal, like they had the um, a women proposing, um, uh, really never occurred, but instead gained its legs as a romantic notion uh, spread in the press. So I, we don't know how true that is. Right. But it doesn't matter because we see it take hold and we still see it today. So Yes, we do. But then the Victorian formality is what pretty much our society now is generally used to. Right. Right. During the Victoria era, and, and that that was about 1837 to 1901. So you think of Western society, but even uh, though Victorian is always related to Europe, it transcended out here too as well. Romantic love became viewed as the primary requirement for marriage and courting. Romantic love. Romantic. Right. Not just arranged marriages no, no. or decision or communal, um, you know, ben- uh, benefits or family benefits or. Right. You know, uh, know, a job or whatever. Progeny, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. But uh, romantic love. So you see bits of of elements in ancient history. Coming. uh, Medieval uh, chivalry, Victoria formality. But then you look in the Bible and all those elements are in there. Right. They are. But like love of Christ supersedes all of it. Sure. Right. Um, and then you combine those elements, right. you know, but then you, you see generations just only concentrating on certain elements. Yep. And, and we're currently in the age of romantic yeah. love it but, beats everything. But romantic love almost became an art form, especially to a higher class to woo, you know, uh, the yes, woman with right. the things that you're like, a, a like a, a peacock Austin, towards another peacock. Right. Yeah. Pride and prejudice. Something yeah. like that. Exactly. Yes. Mr. Darcy and yes, all that. Yes, Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy. Yes. <laughs> um, an interested gentleman could not simply walk up to a young lady and begin a conversation. Even after being introduced, it was still some time before it was considered appropriate for a man to speak to a lady or for a couple to be seen together. Now, I've experienced that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, yeah, we dated, but, you know, uh, I didn't ask her for her number or anything like that. I, I think it's too aggressive. You know what I mean? Like, I have to wait a week before I call her oh, or something yeah, like that. Oh, like yeah, social Which rules. then we would go, hey, stupid, you're going to miss an opportunity. Let's just do it. <laughs> James and I did not do any of that. Yes. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just got right down to it. It's like, okay, do you want kids? I want I kids. Want, yes. Are you post-millennial? Yeah, I'm post-millennial. <laughs> I like your face. I like your face too. No. All right, let's do this. Great teeth. Great teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great teeth. Like you your beard. Great, great teeth. Excellent beard. Beautiful but I, blue I eyes. do think that there is something to courting and dating. But I also, you don't have to be manipulative in that too. No, as no, well. no. Direct. Be direct. Be, be direct. Now, do women want directness, or do um, you know, uh, from your point of view? I do. Yes. So, I, I think women should. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I don't want to comment on women collectively, but yeah like honesty and not games those are those are two great things that women appreciate so it's like a courtship what they ended up doing relationship what they ended up doing you know uh, back in the uh, mid 1800s um, and even till to now, I mean, I, I think that we see this uh, once they have been formally introduced, if the gentleman wished to escort the lady home, he would present uh, his card to her like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, at the, <laughs> at the end of the evening, the lady would look over uh, uh, at her options and choose who would be her escort. Right, right. Which one? Yeah. She would notify the lucky gentleman by giving him uh, uh, her own card. So I think oh, about the a token. I think about the black bla- and when we uh, what oh, they right, do with the, the roses, roses. yeah, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. She will would. You, will you accept this rose? <laughs> 
almost all courting took place in the girl's home under the eye of watchful parents. And, the, and this is the concept of headship. And, and that was still. Well, and protection. Yeah. And protection. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, so, a lot of that was really like just protecting reputation. And I, I still, I, I see things like this, but th- there was always a moment that they gave them alone as well to talk to each other. Um, and, um, Right or wrong, obviously, the virtue is going to uh, be to uh, wait till marriage. Well, I don't think I don't know that they always gave them a moment to be alone. That was that was practice. But yeah, I think that the general rule of thumb is under a watchful eye, a chaperone, you know, and then there's there's all kinds of things from Nordic countries and things like that and what they have done. But there's always elements of the human being knowing the proper design. Mm hmm. And um, that is reciprocation and then who, uh, who you are. Mm-hmm. And the proper design is the two become one. We, it's in our DNA to procreate, mm-hmm. right? Right. But then it's also in our D- DNA to be dutiful. Mm-hmm. And that can't come without affection. And or, that's and, not because we evolved right. from a single cell like um, amoebas. It's because we're image bearers. Mm-hmm. God designed us as a reflection mm-hmm. of his image of him right. and he gives the, the command to be fruitful and multiply mm-hmm. like that. That is the origin story of that. Right. And not because it became like evolutionary, like survival of the fittest or sexual fitness yeah. to <clears throat> like to influence the DNA, like what's passed down generationally in right. terms of genetic information. Right. What do you think of the five love languages? Have you ever heard of them? Oh, yes. A right. lot. Yeah, eh, yeah. A lot of people really like it. It's just, it's a way of kind of... I'm, I'm not... I'm not... Characterizing... I don't like it. Eh, I don't Maybe really... I'm too I, I really don't have good. a feeling about it too much. Like, you don't take that over scripture. But yeah, if it's a that's way... What I feel if it's language that helps you identify or communicate better what your needs and wants are to your partner. Well, she's then a physical no, touch. I would there's like never nothing, give her a gift. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Like as long as you don't right, make it a dogma. Yeah. Right. Because you, you, you might be undermining your partner <laughs> a little bit uh, in an act of love and affection. You're like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm but if it helps touch. you better understand how your partner like right. receives right. affection and love, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. And I, I, and I think that the processes and the wisdom of marriage of you both yielding to Christ and his wisdom you will naturally uncover that, you know, and there might be some things that you were disaffectionate for, but now you're affectionate for because right. you're married. And so I think that you, you can grow and grow learn. and train. Yeah. Change yeah, it, grow and learn with each other. You don't have to take the Enneagram or you don't have to take the, the five lung- love languages and then, you know, sort of have a deterministic view of what you are, you know, um, because you're always going to grow. Right. Like don't pigeonhole yourself. Yeah. And so, you know, that's it. Um, you know, I, I want to point to an episode that we did called Nick's Emotional Risk. Um, and you want to hear me be vulnerable about past love and regrets. There you go. You know, and maybe I'll just repost it on Facebook sure. or something like that. I mean, that. it's in our treasury. You can find it. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's what the Bible says about love. You know, uh, duty, sacrifice, mm-hmm. commitment, leadership understanding who you are and ultimately reflecting the glory of god right so you know i think like a word to all of the people out there who are looking for this um take heart right um it is a good thing to want and desire Mm -hmm. but don't despair Mm -hmm. if you haven't if God hasn't given that to you, but he knows the great desire of your heart. Um, I want to end by reading 
this very short little poem okay. um, that I love, 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 love so much. And I hope you guys will also love it. Um, it was written by uh, Lee Young Lee is the name of the author. Um, and you can Google it. We could post this in the show notes too. But it is called Early in the Morning. You ready, Nick? Mm-hmm. You ready for the poem? The poem of love? While the long grain is softening in the water, gurgling over a low stove flame, before the salted winter vegetable is sliced for breakfast, before the birds, my mother glides an ivory comb through her hair, heavy and black as calligrapher's ink. She sits at the foot of the bed. My father watches listens for the music of comb against hair. My mother combs, pulls her hair back tight, rolls it around two fingers, pins it in a bun to the back of her head. For half a hundred years, she has done this. My father likes to see it like this. He says it is kept. But I know it is because of the way my mother's hair falls when he pulls the pins out easily like the curtains when they untie them in the evening. Boom. Yeah, that's cute. Great. And if anybody's not wooed by that, <laughs> women like poetry, right? Oh. All right. I People have, like poetry. I have some writing to do. All right. <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks for hanging with us for well over an hour and a half mm-hmm. and we hope this episode blesses you right yes. so don't despair take heart we love you he has overcome the world bye bye